And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. So, you know, Aaron, um, I get some of these question ideas from the episode titles. <laughs> so you can tell if I've been busy that week. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is a good, you know, this is an interesting question. Um, so, you know, we are individuals, all part of a larger human species. Um would you so what would you say is our as individuals what is our primary duty to the rest of humanity oof i really think it might be you know try to do something with your life without stepping on other people while you do that thing okay as much as possible mm. you know and it doesn't have to be like cure cancer <laughs> although please do that that'd if be you, awesome if, if you, you didn't cure cancer your life is poor or something crazy huge <laughs> like that like do something and you know be kind mm. that's your duty mm, be kind okay I like that um yeah I don't I don't know part of me like um wonders if if there is even like part of me I feel like philo- on some philosophical level disagrees that there is a duty but then on a moral level would it would say that yeah, then, then there absolutely is but I'm not sure I'm not sure. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, and I'm not sure if there is a, a one definitive answer, but maybe Star Trek will have. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to find out. <laughs> because, yes, of course, we are watching Star Trek on Star Trek Stories. Oh, wow. <laughs> Since when? <laughs> um, yes, welcome, everyone. This is episode 44, The First Duty. Um, I am your... Capital host, Jaron Hatchett. I'm joined here by my expensive co-host, Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Jaron. You didn't see it. I grabbed my monocle before you even said expensive. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I looked over there. I saw you fiddling with that monocle. Indubitably. Unfortunately, I have the capital to afford you. <laughs> I guess my rates are insane. <laughs> is insane. Um, Well, yes, we are still trucking with our look at the TNG Glorious. Um, Last time we watched Silicon Avatar, where our good friend Marquet joined us in our grieving for the death of the crystalline entity. You might say we were shattered. (laughs) 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 Much like the crystalline entity. Um... But uh, joining us today, um, you've probably heard them already. We have another lovely friend rejoining us once again on the show in the captain's chair. Ellen Marie Lewis is back on with us. Yay! Thank you all for having me back. Hello. It's been so long. How are the wife and kids? Oh, my God. (laughs) Wife's good. Kids are, I don't know how the kids are. I don't know where they are. My kids are dead. Oh, I left them in the hot car. Oh, no. Don't worry. Weezer was playing. They're fine. (laughs) (laughs) They just got totally Weezer. It's okay. Oh, God. Um, Yeah, for those new to the show, um, Ellen is one of my good friends and um, former Suntense film buddy. (laughs) That's where we first encountered each other. We're trauma bonded. We're trauma bonded over (laughs) Suntense You can cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) Or don't. Um, But you know, also the shared love of movies, but but trauma bonded. I mean, depending on the Sundance film you saw, then yeah, probably. (laughs) Right. Oh, man. I've got to rethink my Sundance future. Oh, no. Um... Yeah, last time you were on the show, we watched Data's Day. We got to take a little day-to-day day. Look at Data's Day. Be, be wedding Data's. <laughs> data's day-to-day wedding day. Um, yeah, a little day in the life of everyone's favorite resident android. Um, we've been watching one story from every season um, to give Ellen a little taste of Star Trek The Next Generation in particular. Well, yeah, now that we are essentially like halfway through our Star Trek The Next Generation journey, um, what have been your impressions on the show so far? Um, I know I know, sci-fi really isn't like, it, it's not that you don't like it, but it's not like your go-to um, jam. What is it? So how has it been watching 
Star Trek The Next Generation? It's been... I've really liked seeing, kind of compared to my preconceived notions of sci-fi, just um, the interpersonal relationship and character building. I feel like a lot of sci-fi associate with this like really intricate world building, which there definitely is that in Star Trek, but I feel like I'm getting to know the characters as well instead of it being like, you know, going Victor Hugo mode, like, let me tell you everything mm. about the sewers <laughs> in France. Um, <laughs> Um, it's been interesting getting to kind of get to know the characters because I feel like for kind of my preconceived notions of sci-fi, that's often like a secondary or tertiary thought. Um, just seeing on top of that as well, like, um, a lot more comedy, a lot more bringing in, you know, we've talked about this just kind of their takes on like these like kind of classic like tropes in fiction that aren't even necessarily like sci-fi exclusive and putting it through like the Star Trek lens has been really cool to witness. Um, also, it's been fun seeing like, I mean, I guess this is with most iterations of Star Trek, but a lot of the actors on the show have gone on to do really big things, but this is either where American audiences first know them from or like one of their first bigger roles. Um, so it's kind of fun to be like, be able to see um, just kind of them, you know, get their starts and kind of break into the show business through something that is so beloved, something where as far as I can tell, most people have a really good like experience on set is but nice to see. And I think that really reflects it in like the performances that mm. people give. Yeah. I think they all said on this show, they're actually pretty goofy and pretty loosey goosey behind the scenes. Like they were just goofing off with each other all the time when the cameras aren't rolling. So it certainly shows the kind of the com the camaraderie they all have for each other. Definitely. You can, you can tell. Um, do you think, here's a question, I mean, we're, we're looking at this in 2023, and I know you definitely have lots of nostalgia and love for the 1990s, uh, and this is most certainly a product of the 1990s. It's got 1990s written all over it. Do you think this show still holds up pretty well in, like, 2023? Does it have dated elements? What do you think? Like, someone coming in now who doesn't have that same nostalgia for the 90s, like a Gen Z, a younger person trying to watch this for the first time? I think one thing we've touched on a little bit is with kind of the um, like the production value and you know the set design. Like it's very much like it's set in the future, but it really has a strong influence of that late 80s, early 90s revival of like Art Deco. Like, you know, these like kind of like these like really geometric looking chairs and these like really like these really specific shades of this like pastel emerald color and like kind of the like muted corals like it definitely looks like what we thought the future would look like in the time period that it came out which you know most decades have like an example of that like there was like kind of that like interest in sp like space age stuff in like the early 2000s that was very chrome mm -hmm. uh you know there was like the googie architecture in the 60s where like buildings being built in real life in the 60s looked like something out of the jetsons mm -hmm. um but i feel like just kind of in terms of the themes explored and just kind of like the way that it, they explore like the interpersonal relationships between the crew um i think is something that is like I would say well done regardless of what generation you're watching mm -hmm. it in. Okay. And I, I kind of feel the same way, honestly, about things that are before my generation. Like there's films I love that, you know, look very clearly like they were made on a sound stage, but you know, the story and the writing and the relationships between the characters still resonate even mm -hmm. for movies that are, you know, 80 years old. Mm hmm. I think I would also agree. And I, and I think I said this before, but I still, there's nothing quite, especially, and especially Star Trek The Next Generation, there's nothing quite like it on TV now. It's just so optimistic, but not saccharine in its outlook on just everyone is just always there for each other and just like the future isn't a fucking piece of shit. It's like, 
it still represents a very interesting niche in sci-fi or otherwise storytelling that is still very novel, I, I think. I agree. Like, I feel like with, you know, a lot of contemporary television, like, probably, like, the closest we have to network television at this point, um, I feel like we kind of swing violently back and forth between this really saccharine level of optimism that reads as insincere and um, kind of without kind of a lack of a better phrase, this kind of like South Park attitude of like fuck everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Not necessarily without being a diss on South Park, but it's definitely like such a strong influence on, I think like Gen X humor and onward. Um, But I feel like there are very few things like kind of in the middle of that where it's still relatively optimistic without it feeling like Ted Lasso or some shit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, uh, Shorzy or Letterkenny, mm. I think is a good example. Like mm. it's still rooted in some kind of grounded like realism, mm. but yeah, still can have an optimistic me- message about it. Mm. Right? Totally. Shorzy especially. I feel like it's like Ted Lasso for adults. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, you know, speaking of like optimistic humanism, um, you know, we asked this question, you know, what is our, what is our primary duty to the rest of humanity? It, to me, it's kind of like, um, I, I mean, I do think it's important to, you know, be considerate and think of other people, but I do think of it like, while it's still important, it's more secondary. Like, you know, like when you're on an airplane in an emergency, like you're supposed to put on, you know, your mask to breathe before you help someone else with theirs. I think, you know, it's important to, um, you know, be a member of your community, to be a good neighbor to people in your community, but you can't really do that if you're not meeting your own basic needs. No. And a lot of people aren't, <laughs> unfortunately. Especially well, now. Especially now. Um, yeah, I guess we could see if Star Trek can help us discover what our duty to humanity is. Uh, we are watching the first duty. Um, this premiered March 30th, 1992. This is the 19th episode produced for the fifth season. So this will uh, be your little taste of the fifth season, Alan. Um, You know, earlier in this chunk of episodes, we paid farewell to everyone's favorite boy genius. Phoebe Bridgers. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Wesley Crusher uh, left the show to go off to Starfleet Academy, much to the joy and happiness of the viewing audience. Um, and this was actually because you know actor will wheaton wanted to go pursue other opportunities spoiler a lot of those opportunities didn't really (laughs) open up for him unfortunately uh but the door was still open for him to come back to the show just because like he's off at the academy so it was always possible wesley could come back and uh he would make periodic appearances on the show from time like everyone ever just a few of them after he left the show um and this is one of those episodes um getting a wesley episode um yeah and these little episodes will kind of give the writers a chance just to kind of explore how wesley might grow and change away from the ship um so that'll be the biggest thing we look at here if this is i don't know, able to bring i don't know, add layers to a character people are otherwise very critical of <laughs> um this is also another one of those rare earthbound episodes of star trek that Ness is here no no so super nintendo crossover with earthbound everyone (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh you mean he has a home run bat such a good game game over (laughs) such a good game would highly recommend it it's it is wild um yeah this is one of those earthbound episode where most of the episode takes place on or around earth um you don't always see these in star trek um we can kind of see how that ex- how that plays out in a show about space exploration. Um, all right, um, this is for you at home who are watching. This is your invitation to watch Star Trek: The Next Generation is streaming on Paramount Plus. You can find it by bringing up season five, episode nineteen, and we will be back after we watch the first duty.
Cadet, I asked you a question. Am I correct? I choose not to answer, sir. You choose not to answer? But you've already given an answer to the inquiry. That answer was a lie. I said the accident occurred after the loop. It did. What you neglected to mention was that following the loop, your team attempted a maneuver that was the direct cause of the crash. And you told the truth up to a point. But a lie of omission is still a lie. Do you remember the first day you came aboard this ship? Your mother brought you on the bridge. Yes, sir. You even sat in my chair. I was annoyed. Presumptuous child playing on my ship. But I never forgot how you already knew every control, every display. You behaved as though you belonged on the bridge. And then later, when I decided to make you an acting ensign, I was convinced you could be an outstanding officer. And I never questioned that conviction. Until now. The first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth, whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth. It is the guiding principle on which Starfleet is based. Now, if you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth about what happened, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. I'm going to make this simple for you, Mr. Crusher. Either you come forward and tell Admiral Brand what really took place, or I will. got done watching the first duty um in case you didn't watch this one have never seen it before so basically what happens is they're on their way to starfleet academy because wesley's little flight squad is participating in graduation uh, commencement activities but there's an accident with their flight group while they're in training and one of the cadets gets killed in a training mishap and then it leads to a board of inquiry. Uh, and it turns out that um, the cadets have been keeping information from the board of inquiry. They're actually engaged in a very dangerous uh, band maneuver as one last big hurrah for graduation. And um, Picard finds out and basically lays down the law to Wesley. It's like, either you tell him or I will. And gives that speech about the first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth. <laughs> um, yeah. And in the end, Wesley in the end at the very last moment does come forward. Um, and um, while he does get to stay at Starfleet Ca Academy, he has to repeat a whole nother year and, and his flight commander is expelled. And Wesley isn't so perfect after all anymore. Ooh. Oh um, yeah. You don't have to see him for another year, I'm guessing. Think, nope. <laughs> a longer, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> um, we always start with initial thoughts. Ellen, initial thoughts after the first duty. Kind of general thought. It's a little off topic I had as well is anytime that they're on Earth, um, they're going somewhere that's just super lush and beautiful and has like a lot of greenery and nature they're never like oh we got to go to earth because we need to go pick up um like a prescription at like a walgreens in new jersey like they're always going somewhere that's just so beautiful beautiful idyllic and, <laughs> yeah idyllic has a lot of nature mm -hmm. <laughs> unless you're going back into our time specifically then and it looks super shitty and grungy yeah and, oh yeah. that's good to know yeah anytime <laughs> they go back in the past it's like okay hey, we have to make sure the past looks like shit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is, especially during this time period, 
this era of Star Trek, anytime they go to Earth, they always show it in the most like idyllic circumstances. Because the whole idea at this point is that Earth is like a paradise. Um, there's no poverty. There's no war. Uh, there's no money. Like everything is just provided for us. And like everyone just lives in peace and just does whatever they want. And how it's like we... socialist utopia world is what they live on at this point. <laughs> how, how do we get there? I know. Right. How, how does one get to Star Trek times? <laughs> Apparently it takes aliens like making first contact with your planet. That's the whole, that's Star Trek's whole conceit is that once humans become aware of aliens and they make contact with us, that's like the uniting force. It's like, we got to get our fucking shit together. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Uh, like I how w- some people like step it up when they're in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, I'm in a relationship now. I gotta, I gotta show up. Big <laughs> truth. <laughs> um, Aaron, any initial thoughts coming on for the first duty? Oh, Beverly's hair is something in this episode. Mm. Goodness, it's a force to be reckoned with. Um, so good to have Wesley back. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> yes, Wesley's back. It's it's such an interesting thing to just know, like, you know, being a child actor is a horrible experience yeah. for most people. Wouldn't really wish it on anyone. Like, I'm sure that, you know, you know, going through puberty uh, in front of millions of people is really not fun. Um, however, just the writing around the character is not my personal favorite. I feel like it's, you know, it's... It's a hard situation to be in. Yeah. It's very much Anakin Skywalker in the prequels. Oh, or Jar Jar, I guess. <laughs> him too. Yeah. He's more Jar Jar than Anakin. The guy the guy who played him, like I, I read an interview with him once. Like he was like before doing Star Wars, he was like a performer in like Stomp Out Loud. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't even like the trajectory of what he was looking to do with his career and like, you know, like went from, you know, dancing to like getting like death threats from like angry nerds mm-hmm. yeah will wheaton i mean you know we have we've we've talked about wesley a few times on the show um and i think last time he was on the show our last wesley episode we did talk about or we brought up is it him is it the writing i don't think he he, <laughs> he doesn't add much to it or he doesn't save the writing unfortunately but yeah, I think you're right, Alan. It's like he's just not written particularly well, and and this it's it almost feels like he is the in an episode that is like revolving around him. He's like the least interesting part about it, almost. I yeah, I definitely feel that like for this episode being really central to this conflict that he's involved in, and this like very dire decision that he needs to make, like this. Um, moral dilemma that's put in front of him like i care a lot more about like the grumpy gardener that picard Mm, mm -hmm. is reconnecting with from his college days Mm -hmm. can we just have a full episode about those two i would i'd like that like kind of like a my dinner with andre kind of vibe like my dinner with boothby (laughs) i was into what they were saying yeah yeah they kind of had the best moments in the episode Mm. um you know, Aaron, I will say, though, like, I mean, in terms of the episode, this is a much better episode than the last Wesley episode we got. Final mission. Final mission. Yeah. Um, episode itself is certainly a much better episode. But Wesley is still just kind of like we even said in the in the last one. There's like those some of those scenes he has with Picard. It's like, you know, like I mean, you mean so much to me. And like, you know, they both think they're going to die. And. Wesley's having his open up moment. Picard has his open up, and we are like, "Wow, one of these actors is just not like the other." <laughs> it's it kind of is like um, I don't know if any of you saw "Don't Worry, Darling" when it Mm-mm. came out last year, but uh, like Florence Pugh is just like acting circles around Harry Styles the entire time. It's like this isn't even fair that this is like one of your first like bigger roles. Like you know, he showed up in Dunkirk, but he didn't really like have much of a speaking part he was just kind of there mm. Mm. i mean the poor guy was a a stand-in for shia labeouf basically <laughs> in that movie because shia quit the movie yeah there's i mean there's a lot going on like that could be its own episode but um <laughs> it's like kind of almost unfair sometimes when someone who you know uh like patrick stewart who's this like incredible like classically trained actor and like you know getting put up against him as someone who 
is not nearly as experienced, uh, kind of has a history at this point on the show of, like, knowing that fans have, like, kind of reacted negatively towards you, like, it, like, you know, the episode, the scenes in the episode where, you know, Wesley with, is with other students and people who are his peers don't really read as clunky as him, uh, sharing a scene with, um, Picard. Yeah, for sure. Um... What, you know, what do you think, Aaron? We've seen a couple of Wesley episodes now. Does this, like, what does this episode do for him as a character? Does this flesh him out more? Does that add layers? Like, I don't know. How does he come across in this as a character? I kind of felt like at the end, the same as he did as a character. Like, uh, he should have been expelled. Mm-hmm. This, this should have been the end of his career. Because, like, you think about it from a Starfleet perspective, like, that would kind of stain your reputation for forever forever a kid is like someone is dead now um and, and it's something that like the student body is very aware of like they mentioned that too like this is going to be this is gonna suck for you yeah like the next <laughs> year where you're like repeating classes like you know you have this reputation now you know like i've like there was an unnecessary death because you all wanted to show off and do something that is known to be incredibly dangerous mm. It is interesting that they this is their route they kind of go with Wesley. It's like because up to this point he has basically more or less been like perfect child, like Ubermensch child. Mm-hmm. Um, Mar- Marty oh. Stew. Oh yeah, it's Ubermensch. It's <laughs> Ubermensch. Yeah, and then like you know he goes off on his own and then instantly gets into trouble and to the point where like you should be expelled. And you're like, ah, oh, you, you fucking piece of shit. Like you lied to them. I mean, he does come. He does come through in the end. Uh, but it does take a major dressing down from Captain McCard for him to get there. Um, and it is interesting. It like, would be a struggle, though, because he gets into trouble uh, trying to achieve and trying to excel being a part of this super-duper flight squad in yeah. Starfleet, you know, uh, which is like, what is that What is that team of red shirts later? Mm, yeah, uh, uh, Red Squad. Red Squad or whatever they are. Yeah, the cadets, mm-hmm. the super cadets in D-Space 9, yeah. So we worked so hard to get there. And it, there would be that social pressure to like be the best, It'd be, be the better best, than the best. Like, not only that, but you don't want to rat out your team mm. too, and and all that. So like, but he just the writing doesn't do him any favors, and he doesn't play it very well. Yeah, it, there's almost. I wonder if this if this factors in at all. It almost seems like he's a little like bitter to be there. Mm. Um, I don't know if there's part of the actor who's like, hey, like you know. I left because I wanted to pursue other projects and those projects aren't materializing. So I'm back on. I'm going to open IMDb really Star quick Trek. and see what it, he probably would have been working on at the same time. This was 1992. You said this is yeah. March of 92 as this came out. Um, probably filmed in 91. Yeah. Or like early 91, a few weeks before. When are we going to talk about Robert Duncan McNeil? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the only reason why he doesn't get, and the rest of the team doesn't get expelled is because their team leader, Nick Locarno takes the fall in the end. So we should really talk about Nick because he compared to Wesley, he's a much more interesting character. Um, Cause the episode kind of like he is constantly like, there's a lot of episodes of him like kind of gaslighting Wesley when he's telling him, don't open up, don't tell anyone. Um, we got to protect the team. But you can you get this vibe. It's like well, you're kind of a self interested, you know, asshole. But in the end, then Picard comes, you know, and says, "Oh, he took the fall for you guys, and he kept the team together like he always said he would." So then it kind of leaves this kind of more complex note they leave on the character. I don't know. What do you guys think of Nick Locarno as like the? He's kind of a unique antagonist. How does he work in this? It is very realistic. Mm. antagonistic force definitely Mm. i feel like i i definitely met people like that during you know my time in college or even before then Mm. yeah really concerned about themselves but speaking i care so much about people just come on man like the the little little ringleader definitely trying to kind of like twist any situation to um, kind of fit his own advantage. Mm. Is he is he a sympathetic character? Is he just a piece of shit? Like, 
because they kind of throw the curveball at the end where it's like, yeah, he's the one that takes the the fall at the end, like purposefully. I don't know. Does that is he sympathetic? Is he a piece of shit? Is he both? Um, he killed a guy. He kind of killed a guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, right. Brick killed a guy. <laughs> Brick killed it. He's a person, you know. He can he can be kind of a piece of shit and then still be motivated by maybe Wesley's confession to come through in the end mm. and take the fall. Mm. It is kind of interesting. We should also note that Nick Locarno is played by Robert Duncan McNeil, who goes on to play series regular Lieutenant Tom Paris on Star Trek Voyager, uh, and a very similar character, like person who's been kind of kicked out of Starfleet, like they. He starts out in a penal colony. Um, and I, I guess, yeah, originally um, it was supposed to be the character of Nick Locarno in Star Trek Voyager. Um, they wanted to, that thought it'd be cool to have this kind of disgraced former Starfleet person be like a main character on their show. But the only reason why he they decided to change the character name and everything is that they realized that if they stuck with Nick Locarno, they'd have to pay the writers of this episode royalties every episode of Star Trek Voyager. So oh, they, huh. they, they changed it. God, God forgive bed that writers get paid. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's that's why we, we didn't just spend like no all, all this time on that. <laughs> We're just gonna slap a new name on this character you created. Different character, but it has the exact same backstory. His Didn't, name is Schmick in the same Schmick universe. Schmickardo, <laughs> <Schmick> basically. <laughs> My name's not Sonic. I'm Blonic. I'm an original character. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I, it kind of reminds me of how. Um, people will try to take um, like really contemporary like buzzwords that they pick up um, that um, are kind of based in the idea of like taking care of other people and kind of try to like warp them a little bit to kind of try to fit whatever their own agenda is. Like I guess like a really contemporary example I can think of is that recent um, scandal with Jonah Hill, like his, text with his ex-girlfriend who's a professional surfer leaking where he's like it's my boundary that you don't post photos of yourself in a swimsuit online you know he recently made this documentary for netflix about his experiences in therapy and about like his relationship with his therapist and just seeing someone take like kind of like therapy speak about boundaries and try to use it as a way to be controlling towards someone else like, I feel like there's kind of shades of that in this episode as well, like trying to use all this language about like, you know, that seems to be a big value at Starfleet about like, you know, thinking of your team, like putting these people's like needs and their ability to excel like above like individual needs, but kind of like warping and distorting that because there's been an unnecessary death that's happened. There's been this horrible tragedy that's just happened with someone very young um that um they're just you know this guy's just trying to like cover his own ass mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know to our question from earlier so picard gives the whole speech about at least for starfleet the most important duty is to the truth um that's kind of where this episode is coming down like the whatever the truth is uh, whether historical truth or personal truth <laughs> um, scientific truth um yeah what do you guys think about that like in the end like the most important thing is it kind of presents this kind of twisted form of loyalty and it says what really matters even over that is the truth i don't know what do you guys think is is the truth the ultimate duty um i don't know what do you guys think i think in this situation it would be mm -hmm. um i situationally show so I think I think so because mm. I think there are definitely people I've met who are like, oh, I'm just you know I I'm just on I'm just really honest. I like keeping things real. Where it's like the truth that you're sharing is not necessarily something that is necessary to be said and is maybe kind of mean. Um, I think in an instance like this, the truth and being honest is really important. But um, uh, especially like this really twisted version of loyalty that mm, mm. we're being shown in this episode. Mm. Yeah. 
makes sense. I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, go lie to people, kids. So, but. so there's so many, <laughs> so many good lying uh, opportunities out there, everyone. Right. Um, <laughs> Lying's funny. You got to use your imagination. <laughs> you got to keep track of it, though. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Aaron? Do you think truth is like the the paramount? I mean, again, Picard is giving a very specific speech and he's also speaking as a Starfleet officer, which makes sense. Um, what do you think? Is is truth uh, on the honesty, the paramount value here? Like the um, ultimate, ultimate paramount, the paramount plus. <laughs> is honesty the paramount plus of existence? Paramount then some. <laughs> I thought of the saying, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off mm. or make you miserable. Or mm. I tend to operate from there. Like honesty is the way. Yeah. I mean, uh, even if, if it's not your preferred outcome. No. Yeah. I mean, there's so many situations where I'm like, in the end, I realize it's like, yeah. And even if the, the short term it sucks, th- telling the truth, being honest with people is like almost always in every situation, <laughs> the best thing to do. Um, and, it, you know, I guess, yeah, it kind of, it can, uh, give context because if you're, if you think about it, Nick Lacarno is doing this whole thing where it's like, this is for the team. It's for the good of the team. But the one big thing he's not mentioning, it's like Josh Albert was part of your team. Right. He's dead. I don't think that's very good for (laughs) at least one team member. Let's go morale. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kill the team, bro. Yeah. What you're doing is not what's best for the team. And, I don't know. Maybe the truth is kind of like that kind of context. It's like to, in the end, being there for other people and, you know, you know, looking out for people, that is the paramount value, but it's like, but the truth is like, an honesty with people is like, that's where you have to come at it from. Cause if it's, if it's not from an honest place, then you get into trouble real quick. (laughs) Um, very interesting. Um, we should speak real quick about we, we we mentioned it briefly. There's almost like a mini B story in this. It's not quite. It's it's but but it has you know. And watching it this time, I I've, I've been thinking about this. So there's like this mini B story ish with Picard and Boothby, his like the groundskeeper mentor, um, which we all said like those are like some of the best scenes in the episode and we wish there was more of that. Um, and there's even like a little bit where Picard and him are talking about, apparently Picard had some little indiscretion or something when he was at the Academy. They never talk about what it was, but Picard had also gotten into some kind of trouble in the Academy. And, and I'm, I'm assuming not a dead guy, not a dead guy. You would think, <laughs> um, you know, and it adds a little flavor text to Picard. It's like, you know, he's not perfect. Same kind of like how Wesley is very much. Oh, Wesley is not perfect. And as I was watching this episode, um, most of the episode does center around Picard more than Wesley. Like him talking to Boothby. He's doing some of the investigating with the people on the Enterprise. I'm like, is this secretly a Picard episode? Um, almost more than a Wesley episode. Like, is this like a P- Picard episode and wearing Wesley's clothing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's kind of like his father figure. Mm. So it makes sense that he would kind of be super snooping around. But you're right. It, 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 he is heavily featured. Very heavily featured. It's Yeah, a Wesley episode, but it's also a Picard mini reunion episode. Mm. He mentioned the the groundskeeper. In Final Mission? In Final Mission. Yeah, he tells Wesley that, like, because, you know, they think he's going to die. And he's like, Wesley, you have to go talk to this Boothby when you go to the Academy. Like, he helped me. And, they yeah, they bring him up in this episode. Yeah. He actually shows up. Um, nice continuation there. Yeah, because also in that episode, you know, Wesley talked about, because it's like that kind of death confession. Wesley thinks Picard is dying. And he's like, I've never told anyone this, but the whole reason I'm doing all of this the academy and everything is because I want you to be proud of me. That's that's the motivation behind everything I, I've done and I am doing. And then Picard, you know, also tells him like, you know, how much he means to him and that he's always been proud of him. So kind of following up on that, it's like Picard very much is like, 
Um, I was proud of you, Wesley. What the fuck? <laughs> what did you do? Um, <laughs> you, you took the olive branch and you spit in my face. What is that yeah. from? Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12. Oh, is that what that is? God, I haven't seen those in a while. I can uh, go back and watch those soon. Those the, those ocean movies. They're so good. Yeah, they are fun. Um, yeah, kind of an interesting Picard episode as well. It doesn't usually get talked about as much, but I guess it's kind of like that. From his point of view, it's like, what do you do with someone who has disappointed you? Um, and even his mom, just like for a while, Beverly, just like is acting like Wesley, you did nothing wrong just refuses to believe that he could have possibly done anything wrong. So that's, I guess that's more of the adult context. It's like, what are you supposed to do with your kid or a friend or someone that has really fucked up? You know, like what's your responsibility in that situation? Like, do you have a, do you have like a responsibility or duty to like intercede and do something? If you know someone you love fucks up. Yeah. That's the other side too. It's like, what's it like to be the kid? to have someone calling you out being like you're lying we see that you're lying tell the truth and just have to like continue to lie to their face yep <sighs> um god yeah Odo has made my skin crawl as a kid having Wesley in that scene just like oh my god like I, I would die if Captain Picard were yelling at me <laughs> <laughs> um you know, we all we have to note real quick. I don't know if any of you guys noticed the doors at Starfleet Academy. I just have the regular handles, like like regular Earth doors. Um, but every time they open the door, they have to play like a like a, like a few future future bolt is being pulled back. Oh yes, the scanner for the thing. It's, I, it's like uh, at, like they're getting like the public university funding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the the technology is just like a little out of date. Like not fully, not enough that it impacts your education, but enough that like you know you're not getting these like dope sliding doors. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, what do, you, what do you guys think? Like, some, this is one of those episodes that sometimes will crack some people's top ten. Not the most like top ten. Yeah, not not like this is going to be in the lower echelons of in terms of episodes that you see pop up. It's not when you see, but I will see this pop up on top ten list and Entertainment Weekly. I think when they were doing like a twenty fifth anniversary for Next Gen, they they called this one of the top ten episodes shocked of the series i don't know what do you think um i I feel like a lot of like the listicles like that i feel like are sometimes more to like spark discussion Mm. than necessarily something that's like definitive or from like a perspective from someone who has like a lot of knowledge about what Mm. they're making the list about Mm. um yeah like i i do think it's a well done episode i don't know if i've like i haven't watched 10 episodes with you all yet no but no um you know kind of compared to some of the other episodes that i've seen with you all like i think it has like a really interesting format i think this is like explores ideas that aren't always explored on the show um in an interesting way that's done fairly effectively but um i i don't know I don't know if, you know, there's how many seasons of The Next Generation? Seven. Seven seasons, and this was also during a time when, like, the average TV season was much longer than it is now. 26 episodes. 26 episodes versus, like, eight Yeah. for most shows nowadays. (laughs) Um, I I don't know. I feel like that's, you know, not to diss anyone who really enjoys this episode, and it's not that I didn't think this was a well-done episode, but I feel like you know for like a top 10 list it's you know there's gotta be something about that really resonates with you like that's not necessarily a bad thing but Mm. uh, that's kind of a surprise choice Mm -hmm. kind of fleshes out starfleet academy a little bit too yeah this was the first time they've ever they ever showed starfleet academy it's they've talked about it since the 60s show but they've 
never shown it until now. So that was I, a, that was a geek moment for everyone to be like, oh, oh for sure, Starfleet oh, Academy. Oh. I, I, I'm guessing this is probably like for a lot of fans the superior the superior San Francisco set piece of Star Trek media. No, Star Trek Four: the, the Voyage Home is <laughs> by far and away the ultimate San Francisco Star Trek piece of media. <laughs> everyone knows it, and I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. Um. Yeah, I guess real quick, real quick, what do you guys think about this being set on Earth? Like originally the uh, executive producer, Rick Berman, he was like, no, we're not going to do that. Like, this is a space show. We're supposed to be on space. And he just like. <laughs> Earth's in space. <laughs> <laughs> and they convinced him to do it, of Point. course. And he ended up being really happy with the episode. I don't know. Do you think it, um, does it contribute to the episode? Does it give it like a kind of an interesting flavor or is it just kind of like, oh, sure, why not? No, it's, it's it does. It's because if Earth exists in your sci-fi universe, it's important to check in back home sometimes. Definitely. I can't imagine on top of that, too, like trying to... There's already a lot going on in this episode to try to add to like the additional world building of introducing like a new planet or maybe like a new species or like new plants that this gardener we already named dropped in another episode might be growing. Um, I think that would really detract from kind of like the emotional core of this episode and kind of the dramatic tension if, you know, there was like a lot extra going on. I think it'd be really extra fluff. And also... You know, I kind of was like jabbing a little bit about how pretty Earth is anytime we see it. But mm. I mean, like, I, I think visually it looks really nice. Like, it it's does still look like a good. change of scenery from being inside of the close hallways and the, the, the close, just the really close, more almost claustrophobic setting of the Enterprise. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, every time they show Starfleet, it does pop because they don't. You're like, oh wow, cool. Um, now they're at like uh, the botanical gardens near like Golden Gate Park. Yeah, yeah. Um, we should very briefly mention that the, the part of Boothby is played by Ray Walston, Tony and Emmy Award-winning actor, um, legend of the screen and stage. Um, probably most famous for the TV show My Favorite's Martian. Uh, but he also won a Tony for his, um, he was in the original cast of damn Yankees. Um, he also was on the, showed up on the TV show picket fences. Um, he was in the movie South Pacific, the apartment, the sting fast times in Ridgemont high. Definitely like just like a classic Hollywood slash New York stage actor, Ray Walston. It's a really, um, that's a really great like filmography and like list of play credits. Tony and two-time Emmy winner, like <laughs> not not half bad. I mean, yeah, he's, he's closer to an EGOT than I am. <laughs> <laughs> he's only like in a couple scenes, but like you said, it's like I want to go back to the guard. Like he's just so. What about that guy? Captivating. He just has so much presence. What happened to your hair? <laughs> <laughs> he and uh, Sir Patrick really bounce off each other really well. I really like their uh, chemistry with each other. I agree. I could have seen a whole episode. Yeah, just those two. Um, all right. Um, Ellen, any final thoughts on the first duty? Um, I don't think I have any final thoughts. Um, what about y'all? Um, Aaron, final thoughts? Hey, I'm yawning. Wesley. Um, I would say personally my favorite Wesley, but not a top ten. Um, not a top ten. Not okay. a top ten. Come on, I do like it though. But I see, I understand why now. Looking back, and yeah, yeah I can appreciate it. It's hard for me to. I, it, it for me, it doesn't quite transcend the. This episode was like a lesson giving episode. Tell the truth, and that and like a really well done, tell the truth lesson episode. But I'm like, it doesn't quite transcend above that into something really interesting where it's like making you really at no point was I like what 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 do you do there's no big question for the audience to mull over it's pretty clear it's like Wesley just tell the fucking truth Mm -hmm. Uh, but good for the kids good for the kids (laughs) probably better if you kid I can see if you're a kid why this might be might be a top 10 if they ask like kids watching it top 10 favorite episodes and a lot of kids had the first duty Tell the truth. <laughs> All right. Duty. Um, duty. 
Well, once again, thank you for coming on, Ellen. It's always such a pleasure and a delight to have you on. Likewise. Thank you again for having me back. I really, it's really fun to be here. Yes, yeah. thank you very much. Um, slowly but surely, we got seasons six and seven for you. Still, still to come. Awesome. Uh, for it to complete your Star Trek: The Next Generation journey. Yay! Um, charcuterie. <laughs> our Star Trek shark. Yeah. So shark, what was? So, yeah. So what was this? <laughs> what 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 little sample was this on our charcuterie board? Mm. <laughs> um, you know how sometimes there's like like some cashews that have some like nice like seasoning on it, where it's like something that has like some hardiness to it. Like you're getting some protein from it, but uh-huh. it's. Uh-huh. You know, not not one of the. It's not a top ten. It's not a baked brie. Like it's not there. Like it's not caviar, it's good. It 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 definitely really serves like a important purpose in the plate. It might not be like a star a star player to me. No, it's not like some a spicy people really like mustard. cashews though. <laughs> like ooh, look almonds. <laughs> oh, that's what we're gonna start doing on this show instead of giving star reviews. <laughs> We're going to declare your place on the treat board. That was the <laughs> aged prosciutto of the charcuterie board. Cream of the crop. Top 10. <laughs> oh, that was the filet mignon right there. Best of both worlds, everyone. Good night. Um, all right. Spicy cashew. Um, all right. Also, thank you, Aaron, as always. Thank you, Jared. Well, always good to have you over there, my expensive co-host. <laughs> so expensive. And thank you all at home for listening. We hope you enjoyed our coverage of The Fast Duty. Um, next week, we're going to be getting another visit from the dreaded big bads of TNG. Uh, we are going to be watching iBorg. Um which should be fun, as we haven't seen the Borg since their big uh, two-part episode when they invade Earth and assimilate Captain Picard. Um, so that's going to be very interesting. And um, my lovely partner in crime, Jenny Beale, will be returning yeah. on the show to talk about I Borg with us, giving us her therapist lens. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. And we will see you all next time. Um, Hopefully, um, not in the starboard <laughs> fighter performing a cold oh, no. starburst ma- maneuver. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. Remember Josh Albert. Uh, rest in peace, Josh <laughs> Albert. We barely knew you. <laughs> in memoriam. <laughs> in memoriam. Good night, everyone. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>